0: Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Thank you, Lord, for giving us mercy, for grace, to help us in our time of need. Thank you, Lord, for ears that hear hearts that are receptive and humble towards you. Open our eyes today, Lord. Show us things from your heavenly throne, things that we need to see and we need to know. Encourage our faith today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Today we're going to talk about shedding fear. Shed that fear, amen? Shed the fear. And how to operate in the faith of God how to operate in the peace of God, and how to get your faith to work properly. Amen? How to operate in the love of God. And and not just the things that we we want to see happen, but the things that God has ordained for our lives, they happen when we step out of fear and over into the realm of the spirit. You know, the spirit of fear is not from God. He says he he did not give us a spirit of fear. I think this one, Second Timothy one, seven. Let me see if I got the right scripture here. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Paul is 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 advising Timothy. He's a Disciple of his and a co-worker, a co-laborer, Timothy, he's probably an apostle or a pastor, but somebody that uh, Paul has taught and he's discipling him and, and really he refers to Timothy as his son in the ministry. And so there are many people that, that we have, um, Kind of we say birthed, but that's you know they're born again. But sometimes people are assigned to us as leaders. God assigns people uh, to us for us to teach, uh, to help, to give them understanding, correction, uh, to give them direction, and to help them uh, understand God's ways. You know, we're we're a body for a reason. Every part of the body is dependent on another part and we work together. Uh we're not in competition in God's kingdom and that's a good thing uh because I can't get where we're going any faster than you can. And so we we don't have to compete but we go together. Amen. And we help one another. So it's a good thing to know uh how the body of Christ works. And so Paul and Timothy had this uh father-son relationship, you know, they they kind of uh um, Uh, connected to one another in a special way there was a commitment here Uh, there was an obligation on Paul's part to help him in an extra special way you know there there are people that uh, you know say for instance People who were just coming into his different churches and so forth and that he taught them and all that. But there's some people that God kind of has you connect with in a way where you are responsible to make sure that they grow, uh, um, specifically and understand specific things because they're called to a work. And, and so when you're, you're called to help people in that way, it really is an honor because God has called them to work for him and he's called you to help them with that. And so that's a position of responsibility, but also it's a position of honor because uh, God has entrusted you with someone who's precious to him. And so it's always a good thing to understand that and understand how we are to relate to one another in the things of God. And uh, there's some people that you're going to be able to learn a lot from uh, throughout your walk with God. And some people that you can pick up little extra things from. We're a body and we help each other that way. So here Paul was uh, talking to Timothy who is his son in the ministry. Verse 6 he says, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. And so we don't know what gift that is because you can impart different gifts to people. Uh, the obvious one is the gift of tongues. That's one that's easy to stir up. So I would think he's talking about that. But he may have been talking about something else. Uh, stirring up gifts has to do with our, our power to get them started or, or rev them up. And so you can always pray in tongues. You know, that's something you do voluntarily. Uh, even though it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, you, you can initiate it yourself. And so, but I'm not sure that's exactly what that is. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. But of power and love and a sound mind, so really he 's exhorting Timothy to stay active, stay revved up, stay full of power, stay uh, on on point, so to speak, uh, stay in the hunt don 't get lax and don 't get complacent don 't get uh, to where you lay everything down stay stay active. And, and what God has for you to do. And he says, uh, he says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but in its place, instead of fear, what we have is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So instead of fear, and, and see, if you look at it, whenever you give in to fear, This is what you rob yourself of. You rob yourself of power. You rob yourself of love. And you rob yourself of a sound mind. Amen. You know, when you, when you're concerned about the future, when you're concerned about things, when you're concerned about this, when you're concerned about that, uh, that, that begins to rob you of soundness of mind, you know, and, and I can attest to that. I spent some years without soundness in my mind and I can tell you, um, it was all fear based. Every single bit of it was, was based on me not knowing what the future was, and me not knowing what was going to happen, and you know how's this going to get taken care of, and how is that going to be taken care of and and I didn't know God at the time, and as I began to reach out to God, I began to find out, man, God's got all the answers. you know my situation isn't hopeless, this isn't the end of the world, Amen, because He has a plan, he has a plan for everything. Amen. You know, your life can be a dumpster fire and God will come out and pull the good stuff out the dumpster and (laughs) let the bad stuff burn and you won't feel bad about it. Amen. So, so, but, but we need to, to learn how to really give those things over to the Lord. And at the first hint of fear you know you need to renounce it now fear look I'm not going to give in to you I'm not going backwards I'm not going back to that day where I didn't know where my next dollar was coming from or my next meal was coming from or when I was going to get here or when I was going to get there I'm not going back there anymore I'm going to live in the present and I'm going to expect good I don't care what happens bad I'm going to expect good because good will eventually come from it and good will eventually come good as it was right around the corner, waiting to walk into your door. Amen. And and we have to live like that. We have to believe that. And so we can't let fear manifest on us in any way. Amen. We just can't let that happen. Some people's lives are just run by fear, you know, and they wind up backing themselves into a corner somewhere because they're they're running from this, and then they back into that. And this is how the enemy gets them. They just, you know, it's just one bad situation after another because they're letting fear dominate and, and lack of dominate and what if dominate all of those questionable things in our minds where we just don't have answers for them. But God does have answers. You know, we go to him and accept his power, his love, and his soundness of mind, then we'll be able to see our way clear of things and we'll be able to see that fear has no dominion over us. It has nothing to do with us. We don't have to give in to it. I don't care if you don't see the answer right away. Of some things, you're not going to see the answer for years but that doesn't mean that you have to live in fear that things aren't going to work out right you you it's like you know you can say to yourself god you're going to do something Because your word promises me you will. I may not know what it is, where it is, when. But you're going to do something. And you're going to do it on my behalf. And it's going to work out good. This is not going to be a disaster in my life. And so we have that assurance with, with God and from God. So there is no reason to fear. Amen. So fear and doubt really are the same spirit. Amen. Fear has a lot of of um, assistance, I guess you could say. Uh, fear is a large spirit. It it tends to dominate situations, and then it will use other lesser spirits to help it to run your life, to ruin your life, to get you to run run off somewhere and you know do something impulsive or do something that's that's uh not of God and so if we can submit to God resist fear it will flee from us it will leave us and sometimes fear only goes for a season but but it if you will continue to resist it and begin to talk to God and and let him help you manage Sort out these things that you're concerned about. You know, put them in their proper perspective. And, and let fear, uh, go its separate way from you. Amen? And talk to this fear and say, nope, I'm not gonna, nah, I'm not scared, I'm not gonna get scared of this. I have no reason to be afraid. I may not know exactly how this is going to work out, but God, I trust you to work it out. Amen. And when you work it out, it's good. Even if it might be a bitter pill to swallow, God will work it out for good. Amen. He'll make the bitter sweet. He knows how to do that, amen. He will eventually do that. So we have to be aware that God is still working, amen. We give things over to him and he is working. So fear has great power behind it. We said that. This is why God admonishes us not to give in to it. The Bible is full of, I think somebody said the, the phrase fear not appears in the Bible 365 times. One. For every day of the year, Amen. Because every day the enemy will uh, come and approach us and try to get us to be afraid of something, Amen. So we are not to fear, Amen. Uh, and, and fear has great power to deceive. Uh, it will it will shock you how things look differently when you're not afraid, Amen. I can remember I was afraid to go out of my house. I didn't know what it was. You know, what, what was, what was I afraid of? You know, and I found out that fear is a spirit and it will try to get you to attach meaning to it. Amen. So it, for me, the worst thing for me to ask myself now when I sense fear, the worst thing I can do is say, what am I afraid of? See, that's when you start borrowing trouble, because you're not afraid of anything. Fear's a spirit. Once you get rid of the fear, that spirit, then you don't have anything to attach it to. See, but when you think about it, fear is 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 something that comes. It's a spirit that comes into your life, hoping that you will accept it. And we accept it by attaching it to something. And you can attach fear to anything. See, you can get, get, have that little, you know, I, I call it the elevator drop feeling, you know, that thing in there and it'll, it's just a flash of fear where it first comes in to attack you. And once it gets in, it sits around for a while. Waiting for you to look around and figure out what it is you're afraid of. So you weren't afraid of anything until it showed up and told you you had to be scared of something. So this is this, and this is how you conquer fear. You don't attach anything to it. Because just like I said, I was scared of going out of the house. You can attach that to anything. Now, if you can be afraid of going, opening a door and going out, you can attach fear to anything. But see, fear had gotten so large in my life that it was easy for my mind to associate it with a number of things. And so I had to learn, it took a while. You know, I'm not saying it's going to take a while for you. I don't know your situation. But it took a while for me to just disconnect attaching significance to the emotions that I had. Because fear was just a feeling. It's a spirit that brings with it a feeling. You have a feeling of dread, a feeling of doom, a feeling of... And then you wonder, well, where where is this coming from? What am I You know. And as long as you can break that cycle... Of searching and attaching significance to stuff, amen, then you can break the power of fear over your life, but you won't break it trying to figure out why you have it it's the same thing with symptoms in your body if you go chasing symptoms and wondering what this is, what this is new, this is something I had this situation it's it in and, and I'm healed. Uh, but the symptoms are slowly leaving but i had a situation where i had aches aches and pains in in my arms and in hands and joints and i couldn't sleep very well at night and I would change position, it was still there, and I could change position, it was still there, and I could change. And I remember I had a doctor's appointment when it first started, and, and they say, uh, have you had any pain recently? I said, nah. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You don't give in to that. Cause, you know, cause then I'm on the merry-go-round. And see, I know this. I know Jesus bore my pains, carried my sorrows. And if I stay in my word and fight it with the word, it's going to leave. Amen. And little by little, it's been leaving. I've been seeing progress, but the minute I stop and I don't even do it anymore, I know better. Cause, you know, when, once you've been down that road of imaginary, Problems and in a mind that won't settle down. I don't open them doors anymore. See, I don't want to know where, what nothing means, where nothing comes from. Cause it's all from hell. Uh, people say, well, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. For you, maybe no. For me, yes. See, I go kicking and screaming. I go when I just can't really do any better. And they, there may be some symptoms you get that, but pain ain't one of them. Trust me. Not on this body. You understand what I'm saying? It's not one of them. Because I know pain can be rebuked. I know Jesus bore my pains and carried my sorrows. And I know the devil just wants to give me a new pain. Well, pain ain't new. It's the same devil it was last time it tried to attack me. And it doesn't mean anything unless I attach some significance to it. So I'm healed anyway. I'm healed period. I'm healed now. I'm healed. You're either healed or you're not. You can't play both ways. And you can't, you can't live out of your spirit man as a healed person and go chasing down symptoms too. (coughs) Amen. It's not going to (coughs) work. So you confess your healing. You thank God you're healed. And you thank God to take the symptoms away, even if they persist for a while, they gotta leave. The word's the word's power. Every time you say you're healed, you're healed. The word's full of power. And it has power to heal your body. Amen. So you're not gonna be it's just a, a discomfort and it's it, it's either major or minor depending upon how much emphasis you put on it. Amen. And it doesn't really mean anything. Amen. I used when I was a younger woman, I had uh, uh what they call fibroid breasts, and and I would go to the doctor, and you know, this is when I was a sinner. I'd go to the doctor, had those breast exams and all that kind of stuff. And probably around, I guess maybe twenty years ago, I decided I said, "No, nah, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm gonna just trust you. I'm either healed or I'm not healed." Well, what's wrong with the mammogram? I'll tell you what's wrong for me. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what's wrong with it for me. I'm not sick. I'm not looking for cancer. I'm looking for health. You got me? I'm looking to stay away from them. I'm not looking to get cut on. I'm not like, you see, if you, if you're, if you go and you get the test, you're, you're accepting the rest of the program. I'm not looking for them to do that for me. I'm looking for the word to do everything. Why? Cause the word's been doing everything. Why should I stop now? All of a sudden, cancer is too big. The word my this same Bible that's been healing me of everything else can't take take care of that, and I to go to the world for help. I don't think so. And that's not throwing no shade on nobody. You do what you want to do with your body, but I've given mine to the Lord. You got me. I could care less what. You know the devil he can't threaten me with that. Well suppose they can't do nothing for you, then I go to heaven. Go in there anyway. Do you understand me? I work out some with God, honey. I know how to I got a lot of stops between getting radiation and chemo. I got turning my face to the wall, I got wenting, I got the word of God to I got a lot of options. That's not my only choice there. And it's the same thing for you, if you'll take it. God has provided healing for us. Jesus got beaten, bloody. He was disfigured, marred more than any man, the Bible says. Why? So you could walk away from radiation. You can walk away from chemo. You can walk away from all of that stuff. stuff as your primary source for health. You can make Jesus, your primary source for health. Quit being so passive about it. Well, you know, it's nothing wrong with it. I'm not talking about right and wrong. I'm talking about your covenant and what you have available to you and how to live in it. And you got to be ruthless because the devil is every, every, at every turn, he's looking for something else to throw at you to get you to get over on his side amen, and to take you down, so I just refuse to go down, folks, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to tell you, I just refuse, not when God has provided everything that he's provided for me, people, that you know, people kind of wear me out sometimes, they want God's money, they want a career, they want a job, they want a husband, want a wife, want a nice house, but they don't want to be healed. Tear that Bible from cover to cover, looking for a way to get more money. But when you go to heal they skip over that. That's why I have insurance. Well, I got assurance. Amen. Surely he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Surely he has done that. So you got to be as ruthless as the devil is. He's always trying to draw us back over into the world, put fear on you. Amen symptoms you don't have to to have fear uh, because you have symptoms in your body amen you start fighting them with the word just turn the tv off turn whatever off get off facebook get off what unless of course you're reading the word on facebook which it ain't that much on there amen but you know what i'm saying you get in your bible you shut everything down turn your plate down skip a meal and say god i'm going after my healing now show me how to how we gonna do this just be confident that you're healed. God, show me how we're going to work with me to get rid of these symptoms. Now, I'm going to get in my word. I'm reading my word every day and I'm confessing the word. But if there's something else I need to be doing, show me, Lord. You know, read your Bible four and five hours a day. It'll help you. Amen. When you're really looking for something, four and five hours a day is nothing. Amen. Amen. You know, I've seen women, you know, how we, we do some we eat nice, uh, we got a dinner, special dinner coming up. You'll be thinking about that for weeks. Gotta find the right dress, gotta find the right shoes. All day long, you know, getting dressed, gotta get your nails done, your hair done, whatever else done you, you get done. Amen? Get, 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 uh, fleeced and scaled and defoliated and exfoliated and steamed and showered and all that stuff well if you can devote that kind of to something that's going to be a a four hour uh, session and and it's over with how do you think you're going to get healing into your body meditate on it grab your scripture and meditate don't let it go until it manifests in your life hold on to that scripture don't allow yourself so many options amen Just go after what God has for you. It's good. Amen. So, so fear is a large spirit. It's, it really tries to imitate the Holy Spirit because it has such a, it wants to have major influence over us. Amen. And dominate our lives. So fear has great power also to deceive us. You know, you get afraid of something, and then that fear begins to motivate you uh, to make choices and, and to make decisions. Uh, some people are afraid of, of getting old, and so they they go about trying to find ways to to look younger. You know, it's just from one vitamin to one pill to a treatment, and a, and it's all fear driven. Amen. Um, God didn't give us fear. He gave us power over wrinkles, I guess you say cuz he got you a scripture. He renews your youth every day. So start getting in the word. If you don't want to look older, just just start claiming he's renewing your youth. Amen. And not just just anti-wrinkle, but energy. A youthful uh, uh, hair, youthful teeth, youthful—I mean, everything about you is renewed and restored. So God has a remedy for every everything that the enemy would dictate to us through fear. God has a remedy for it, a provision in His Word for you not to have to live like that. He gives you power over aging and the ravages and negative parts of aging and the negative parts of of uh, you know ups and downs in the economy you don't have to worry about what the economy is doing amen you live on God's economy you live in in the uh, the realm of the kingdom of God which is ever-increasing God's got unlimited resources because he can make more if we think he's running out of stuff he can make more stuff you know the people the globalists All the rich wealthy people that you know that tell you that you gotta watch your carbon footprint, but they all take their private jets to Davos, where's that in Switzerland? They have that little thing once a year where they try to decide what to do with us. And they always say it is too the world's population is too big, gotta cut down the number of people running out of reason. Well you ain't asked God about none of that. Nobody in that whole little group is praying and hearing from God. God ain't worried about how many people there are on the earth. All he wants somebody to do is ask him how to provide for them. Now they're talking about population control. There are a lot of things going on. See, one of the good things about the fact that we have mass communication, you have internet communication, you can find out what certain groups or people are plotting where we never had this information before. Got me? And people call you conspiracy theory, yeah, but all them conspiracies are really happening. You know, the conspiracy theorists people are batting a thousand right about now because they can tell. And see, we can tell because of 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 our knowledge of the word. We've seen this, this world, one world government nonsense before. God always confuses their plans. That's why you don't find a lot of Christians getting upset and worried about. It. Now we pray and we fight these things off, but we're not worried about somebody being successful you know, uh, coming and and taking your property away or taking this away or taking that away. God always makes provision for his people. And we've been under worse. God's people have been under worse circumstances than than these. They're bad enough. But they've been under worse. You know, and a government demands that if you have a baby, it be murdered. You got me? We haven't faced that yet, but it's subtle, but it's coming. Trust me if they they now they want babies killed after they're born so what about when they're toddlers they can come to your house and take them two years old see people we when people say, don't barn, i said no, i know i i no, no, no. you yeah, imagine now you getting that we go we are honey you we never thought we would see abortion on demand either now it's abortion after they're born What's to stop them after that kid's a year and a half old? Come get them and take them from you. They're on the list. Got too many people. Your child is on the list. They've done it in other countries. China. Amen. In many countries. So don't think because you live in America. The devil don't, he doesn't respect boundaries. And, and they're showing you that now we got 15 million people here that shouldn't be here that borders open it was closed and we were building a wall and that stopped wonder why now who would let all these people in here illegally and why see this is what you got to be praying about because they're being helped to break our laws why are we throwing our laws away all of a sudden You're your watchman. You're supposed to be aware of these things. And pray against them. Ask God for revelation, understanding. What's up, Lord? What do we pray? How do we stop this? We gotta stop this. It's illegal. So this is how dictators do. They control people with fear. First you're scared of a germ. Then you're scared of your neighbor. Then you're scared of your own flesh and blood. (laughs) People in your household, you want to turn them into the pandemic people. See? It's all fear-based. All fear-based. So dictators use fear. Governments use fear. Religion uses fear. Religion is not the same as God's kingdom. Religion is a man-made attempt to replace God with rules, regulations, things that look like there's some structure and there's some morality, but there's no power there. That's how you can tell the difference. Religion masquerades as God's kingdom, but it does it's a form of godliness that denies the power amen, second Timothy three, and this is talking about this is end time prophecy here amen uh let me think three I It says in verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. They Now they've got satanic groups that meet and tear up the Bible and throw it on the ground. You know, pray for people like that because they're caught up in, uh, a, a, uh, form of blasphemy and see, you, you just don't know when judgment will hit those people because you're only allowed to go so far in ignorance in, in, you know, uh, confronting God or making fun of God or whatever, you know, this, and, and people are facing judgment very quickly, uh, these days for for mistakes that they make. You see people dropping dead all of a sudden, you know, heart attacks, people these young athletes in good condition, all of a sudden they're not here anymore. You got me? And so this is this is a perilous time. You got me? And it says blasphemies blasphemers disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. So here we got the homosexual and the trans people. Amen. That's not natural. They're without natural affection. Truth breakers. False accusers. When have we seen so many people dragged into court for no reason? Amen. And then out and out criminals, there, I saw at least four or five cases where uh, people have been murdered by somebody who's not even legal in this country. Lawbreakers. They let them out of jail. Some of these cities refuse to prosecute cute felons in New York City. They don't prosecute felons anymore. They just book them and, and put them out back out on the streets again. And these people are crazy, violent people. Amen? They kill people. So we've got Law enforcement with their hands tied. They change the laws and you're not allowed to prosecute certain people. And what do we do as law-abiding citizens? We're just at the mercy of the devil pretty much. You know, you better get your Psalm 91 out and mean it. Instead of just talking about it, you got to confess it and mean it. Because there's no protection for you, naturally speaking. Nothing you can rely on. And it says... Without natural affection, truce breakers. People don't keep their word. Our government is breaking truces now. We, we, our, All our government officials are sworn. They take an oath before God with a hand on the Bible to defend the Constitution and protect the citizens. And we're not being protected. Amen. Haven't been for a long time. False accusers. Incontinent, that is no ability, no self-control. This is common. Fierce. Despisers of things that are good. They call good evil and evil good. Christians are being persecuted because we stand for God's word. And little by little, people are, Christians are just shutting up, not saying anything. Just letting the devil take over because we don't like being accused. Well, you should be used to it by now. If you've been living with God any length of time, you ought to be uh, uh, accustomed to the devil pointing the finger at you and saying you're a hater and saying you hate them when they actually hate you. You got it? And so if you're not used to it, you're going to get used to it because it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder. And, and people are going, there, there are people who are arresting pastors. In Canada, they, they do more arresting of pastors there for getting up and preaching the gospel. It's just out in the open now. During COVID, they tried to do it because they said you couldn't gather together. That was the excuse. Well, now they dropped all the COVID regulations and they're still going after pastors up there. So get with it, folks. This isn't an easy... I mean, just because it had not happened to you yet, don't forget what they did in Germany. They heard the sirens and they kept singing louder. Church people sang louder instead of doing something to help those people that were being falsely arrested and exterminated. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. From such turn away. From such turn away. From such turn away. You're not supposed to entertain in religion when people don't manifest signs, wonders, and miracles. Did you know that? Having a form of godliness. Preach up a storm. Ooh, I love the way they preach. Well, did anybody get healed? Didn't even have an altar call. Just talked y'all to death and took your money and sent you home. From such turnaway. See, if we quit supporting nonsense and shenanigans, God could get some work done around here. You understand what I'm saying? And see, when somebody who's really preaching the gospel and, and empowering believers and teaching you how to go out and pray for the sick, lay hands on the sick so they can recover so you can do some good for humanity, then we get attacked by people who don't do it. We're a cult, we're this, we're that. You understand what I'm saying? And so you gotta learn how to keep doing what you're doing. When you, when you find where God is, you stay where God is. And cut out the shenanigans. Amen? These people are, are really just performers. They entertain people for an hour and a half, take their money, we all go home. When you get sick, you go to the hospital. And they don't come see you. They don't even know who you are. You got me? And so, and really, you don't need anybody come see you in the hospital anyway unless they're going to get you out of there. (laughs) You ain't staying. You know, these people that want somebody come visit them. You must be planning to stay for a while if you need all these visitors. I thought you'd be out of there in a day. I'm praying you out of there. Well, they say I need so-and-so. I said, really? Huh? Fall out with people in the church because they don't come and visit you. Like you setting up new headquarters there. Huh? It ain't no reception area. You just get, get what you need get on out of there as soon as you can. Hey Amen. You're healed. Get your scripture out. Put it up on the wall. I remember uh um our sister Miss Polly, Polly Ely. Love Miss Polly. <laughs> and um she was a warrior, man. She she um I know she it had to be twenty, almost thirty years. She she lived with a heart that they said only was at either thirty or twenty percent capacity. That's pretty low, you know what I'm saying. God just she lives supernaturally and and I remember praying with her about that and then when she she went in the hospital, her daughters called me or something, but I found out she was in the hospital. That day, and the Lord told me to go. He said, "You go and you pray for her." he said when and usually God didn't tell me much he didn't have to when he said, "Go, I just go. You find out what to do when you get there, you know, and so um I went in and um i <laughs> the computer broke down when I got in there. The elevators weren't working, and um I just prayed in tongues while I was standing there at the desk. In about five minutes, the elevator start working again. And so I was able to go up to her room. She was coming down to the cardiac unit, to the catheterization, to the lab, to get a, a cardiac catheterization done. And I was on the way up to her room. She was on the way down. So I missed her. And when I got up to the room, I saw some get well cards and stuff. And I told her daughters, I said, well, we're going to wait for your mom. We're going to pray. I said, she's healed. I said, and we're declaring her so. I said, "And, and God's healing her now as we speak. And so while she was down in the cardiac room we got, I told them to go to the desk and get some blank sheets of paper, and we wrote scriptures on that those papers and hung them up all over her room. And she came back and she said, you know, I didn't let them do that procedure they wanted to do. She said, I told the doctor, just let me out of here. I'm healed. I'm trusting God for my heart, trusting for my healing. And that was like in the 1990s, if I remember correctly. It wasn't 2000 yet. And I remember that very, very well. And she just went home to be with the Lord about two years ago now. She lived at least 25 or 30 years with a heart, they said, that that needed emergency attention. 30 years ago. I remember one of the last conferences we had, she got up and danced. She she grabbed my hands and we danced all over the, the room. Amen. You don't do that with a weak heart. Do you understand me? And so it just was, and it just happened during COVID. They had cut down the visiting hours. Her family couldn't get in to see her as often as they had been, been doing. You, you understand what I'm saying? She went, she just went on to be with the Lord during that time, but she wasn't sick. I mean, any more than what she had been, but God just took her. You understand what? Sometimes he just takes people. You know, rather than have her, and I'm thankful in a way it happened the way it did. I know it. You know, you don't like to to lose people, but I would hate to have seen her go through all the the COVID nonsense they put older people through. You know, because in Michigan they put them in nursing homes with with insane people. They packed all those people with COVID together. There was a gentleman, an elderly gentleman in a nursing home. They put a young man who was schizophrenic in a room with that elderly man. He beat him up. You got me? So you don't want to see. There's too much confusion. God knows how to spare the righteous. Amen? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so I just say that to say you can be fearless in the face of symptoms because God has not given you the spirit of fear. Amen. And anybody can do it. If, if one can do it, we all can do it. And I get inspired by people like her, you know, and she lived, she lived a very good life. She was healthy, she was uh weight you know, she got around, she went shopping with her daughters, her grandkids, great grandkids, she did everything that she wanted to do in life. Her husband's still still here, amen. And so these are things that you gotta understand God has given us a spirit that is fearless. And if you yield to the Holy Spirit, it's the power, love, and sound mind. That he has given us. He didn't give us fear. He didn't give us doubt. Reluctance. uh Hiding from stuff. Dreading things. He didn't give that to us. That's the God of this world. He loves to keep people in bondage to fear. So we don't have that spirit. We have the spirit of adoption. Where we know who our father is. God's our father. And we're just like him. We've been adopted by him. Amen where we can cry father god abba father my dear father my close father amen the one who loves me and cares about me amen and so these these are are the differences that, that we we live out of and you can yield to that spirit of power and love and a sound mind anytime you don't have to wait for fear to leave you alone or wait for situations to get better Things don't get better real fast when you're waiting. You ever notice that? When you waiting for something to change so you can get happy about something? It don't change too fast. But if you'll change first, and then whatever's going on in your natural realm doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't. Does not make any difference. Any difference. Amen. So God has not given us the spirit of fear. You can submit to him, resist the devil, and that thing has got to leave. Amen. It will leave you. And so, but, but you've got to discipline yourself not to give in to it because what most people, where most people reside is that we have been so trained to respond in a certain way to fear. That you might have to, to walk a little bit with God before you can break yourself off from giving into it, period. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can get free of it in certain areas, free in others. Sometimes you need to say, God, let's attack this thing again. I'm ready to get rid of this last inch of fear here. So show me how to do it. You've got me free from the rest of it. Show me how to get rid of this one too. I'm, I'm, I'm on the rampage. Now I'm, I'm here to kill every devil I see. And the ones I don't see, if I suspect the devil is around, I'm going stomp it. Amen. So you just go on the rampage sometimes in, in a faith, a faith rampage. Amen. And believing God for the things that are good in your life. Amen. So in 2 Timothy 3, 5, we say religion has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. And it, it hides all of these other things. So a spirit of religion will hide things like boasting, lovers of themselves, blasphemy, without natural affection. All of that stuff is hidden sometimes under, underneath a spirit of religion. Amen? Because religions of the world, it's not, you know, it's not like these are church people. These are demons. It's the same ones that killed Jesus. They had a form of godliness. Washing everything. Washing their pots and washing their cups and washing their this and washing their that. Amen. The The Lord was showing me, you know, when, when Jesus uh, turned the water into wine. When he would do things, many times he did them to upset the religious order of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? The religious status quo. Why couldn't he tell them to go out and get some, some, go out to the well and pump some fresh water? Why the washing pots? Because he wanted to show the religious people he didn't honor that kind of stuff. You know, the Pharisees, they, they, this was was uh, um, pots that they would sit at the door. When they would come in, everybody had to wash up or you couldn't eat. Remember Jesus' disciples went through the the uh, corn fields and they just rubbed the corn off, rubbed the silk off the corn and ate it raw. And the Pharisees said, well, why didn't, don't they wash their hands like we do? Huh? And so, so Jesus always did things by grace. He always did them. He didn't stop and honor religion while he was doing anything. He didn't think about religion. It wasn't built into him to do all that washing and all that ritual stuff, which was not necessary. That stuff wasn't even written in the law of Moses. So it's not like he was breaking the law of Moses. This was stuff the Pharisees made up to make themselves look holy. So they kept those water pots there so they could wash up, and when the water was dirty, they threw it out. And Jesus told them, Take them pots and fill them up to the brim. Amen. And then they poured wine out of them that their their holy wash pots. Now they got wine in them. Oh boy. Huh? He always he always did things in a way that truth came in. And religion was not honored. We don't care what you do with that water in them pots. Right now God needs it because they out of wine. So what we going to do? Amen. And the it didn't turn into wine until they poured it out into the pitcher. So they still had their little stinking water there if they wanted it. But they were going to have wine at the party. You got me? Right out of their little... I could just see the Pharisees clutching their pearls. Oh my gosh! Look at what he's doing with our holy water. Oh, shut up, Amen. Praise God. So, so religion, a form, no power. I don't care how good they preach. You know, this is where people get twisted, turned around, and deceived. You start looking at somebody because everybody likes them. They on television. They gotta be good. Oh, they preaching the Bible. Listen to that. Oh yeah. Wonder, 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 wonder. Uh, wait a minute. Now we ain't seen no altar call yet. We ain't seen them pray for nobody. You don't know if he prayed to even get that message. All right, children, we gotta grow up here now. You understand what I'm saying? You don't see any believers in there doing anything either. They're all sitting and jumping and shouting. When do you ever see their people go out and pray for the sick? Just a thought. Doesn't matter how much money they have. Money never impressed God anyway. That's why he gives it so freely to us. It ain't even part of his thought process. His realm is nothing. He don't care nothing about money. Amen. Now you can let it ruin you. So the form of godliness. Denying the power thereof. Says from such turn away. In other words. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus died to bring. He died to bring the power. Amen. Paul said, I'm not coming to you because I'm eloquent and I speak real good. Enticing words of man's wisdom. See, that's what a lot of ministers have, especially if you don't see signs and wonders following them. God confirms his preached words with signs following. You don't see not one person get healed. Why? They never preach healing. You watch some of these people. Very, very eloquent. Very, very this. Very, very that. What about healing? Oh, it's in the Bible. God will heal you. Maybe once you ever talk about it. Huh? It's true. We got more of them than we have of us. Here we're, we're pulling for every thought we can just to keep the body of Christ from, from being sick all the time. And we got people that, you know, they got more money, more reputation, more exposure than we do. Huh? you think we're wrong and they're right. If your head ain't screwed on straight. Do you understand what I'm saying? But no, we, we want the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. You don't want just somebody's words about something. You can get promised something forever. You know the holy ghost is is a performer he performs the word he's waiting for some of these people to preach the word so he can perform it for some of these sick people in these meetings now yeah. I remember seeing somebody they were at a a Billy Burke was at i think the uh, um Eagle Mountain church they were having a um um you know conference having him preach and do healing services there and there was a nice couple they went to another church in the same town big church and so uh the guy was sitting on the front row he had about four or five different ailments diabetes was one he was on oxygen a lot of stuff and he said, after they started giving their testimony, he and his wife got up and he said, his wife, he, they said, well, well, where are you from? They told him, oh, said, so you go to, where church you go? To. They always ask him that. And they told him, and, and uh, he was saying that, that, they said, well, how did you get to the meeting? Well, my wife picked me up from dialysis and told me she was going to take me somewhere. And so he said, usually I'm very sleepy and tired after that treatment. He said, I couldn't believe she wasn't going to take me home. And so she kept saying, he said, well, where am I going? She said, oh, you'll, we'll, you'll see, you'll see. So they wind up at the healing meeting, and he was in a wheelchair and on oxygen. And they always move those people up to the front row. They have a good protocol and people who know what they're doing with the healing meeting, they understand where to put certain people. So he was up there on the front row with his wife. And he said, as the, as the night went on, God started to move. As he said, the first thing he did was take that oxygen off and he breathed totally without it. Zero. He got up out of that wheelchair and started walking. By the end of the night, he was pushing his wife around in the wheelchair. You got me? They came back the next night. And the pastor mentioned, he said, oh, you're going to go back to your church and, and uh, you know, it's, and, and people are going to rejoice. With you. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm staying here. That is so scriptural. You see those people Jesus told them to go and sin no more. He told that boy that that he had healed his blindness. And he found him back in the synagogue and he told him go. He said you're healed now. Go and sin no more. Sin would be to go back into unbelief after God put you in faith. Why would you go back somewhere where they couldn't help you? And don't say you're going to teach people something. You ain't the pastor. I'm going to be a light. No, no, you're not. You think you're going to go because you're not hearing from God. It's like the dog returning to its vomit. God has delivered you. Now go where the free people are. Yeah, them people you used to talk about. That's why you don't want to go over there. You go over there and get healed, but then you talk about them behind their backs. You're going to have to repent and go over there and try to learn something now. Because you're going to have to stay healed. There were people Jesus would tell them, don't tell anybody, I healed you. Oh, I thought I was supposed to give my testimony. Uh-huh. Now, we would see this a lot. When we would have buses, bus trips to go to Benny Hinn, we get all these people from all these different, we didn't care where they came from. If they want to go get healed, we took them. You understand what I'm saying? We weren't a denominational people. We just, anybody that wanted to go, we took them. And we would see people that that God would heal at those meetings, and, you know, they want to go back to the church they came from. You go back there and start giving your testimony and they start picking you apart. And Jesus knew who would be able to hold up under the pressure and who wouldn't. And when he would tell people, don't tell anybody, it was for their own good. Just go home and enjoy your healing, but don't go telling anybody this is where you went. Why? Because the Pharisees were out to get people. They kicked people out the synagogue if they followed Jesus. They told you don't come back here no more. Mm-hmm. You'll find pastors that when they find out somebody like Benny Hinn is in town, when they, when next next time they have a, a, a service, all you hear about is you can get healed here. You don't have to wait until the healing evangelist comes to town. Their whole sermon is to take your healing away from you. Make you think there was something wrong with what you did. When that's the first right thing you've ever done is is obey God and go somewhere and try to get healed. Amen. That's the first right thing you've done in years. But the, the devil wants to intimidate you. Keep you bound in fear. Make you scared to obey God. You want to be healed, you got to go where the healing is. You don't get it sitting up there and you know you don't and you know you won't. Amen. So, so this is the thing, you know, you, you have to understand that the devil is making a strong pull for people. Anytime he gets bold enough to shut down churches, he's making a strong pull. Amen. He means to take people to hell with him. He means for people not to ever go back to church again. You got me? He means for people to, to drop away from love. The great falling away. Remember that? The end will not come unless there first be a great falling away. Amen. So we see people falling away from the church. Been doing it for the last three years or so. Longer than that, actually. COVID just gave them a legal excuse not to come anymore. A lot of them. Amen. So the form of godliness with no power. It's religion, religions always based on fear. In religion you you are saved more because of what you don't do than because of what you do. Amen. More because of what you don't do than what you do. In Mark 16 it tells you What believers do. There are signs and evidence that you believe God. That you believe the gospel. So you got to produce the signs folks. I saw this scripture when I was a new Christian. And I told God I said oh wow. I said you're expecting me to do that. How do I do all this? Amen. That that seemed to me a logical question to ask. And I think about all the people that skip over this (laughs) This section of scripture, whatever that means. And he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Those are signs we're all to produce. If you preach the gospel in faith and in demonstration of power, those signs will follow you. Amen. And it's 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 awful that most churches don't even look at that as something they feel compelled to teach people how to do. They don't feel compelled to honor that. I ran into somebody, uh, I hadn't seen in, in, I think maybe like 20 years. I was sitting next to him at a meeting I went to uh, out of town. You go out of town and you sit next to somebody you haven't seen in twenty years, and so we were talking about the the meeting we were at. It's a healing minister, very good, powerful healing ministry, and so we were both there. and I I said, "Oh, you're you're down here?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I really like this guy. We've been waiting to see him. We couldn't, you know, he's been you've been wanting to get to his meeting." So I finally got here, and we were just chatting about. Uh, you know, signs and wonders and, and the healing ministry, they're very committed to the healing ministry, you know, period. And so I was telling him, he said, yeah, he said, he said, uh, we're getting scarce. There aren't many of us left. And I was looking at him and I said, you know, I said, I thought the same thing. I said, I didn't want to say it. I said, but yeah, I said, I said, it was few enough of us as it was. I said, now there's fewer and fewer of believers who believe the whole word of God. Amen. Everybody's taking what they want to believe and and what they don't like. And we don't teach this and we don't teach that. And you see all these performers out here and it's getting worse. I don't know if social media is making it worse or what, but you know, you got these, there's some, uh, uh, pastor, he and his wife, they got people filming them when they get out of their car, walking into the church and then walking down the, you know, into the sanctuary like they're celebrities or something. And I said, Lord, can you please help these people? Can you please tell them what this is really about? You know, and they put this on On Facebook or somewhere. And they just promote themselves like that. Like you're running after him. Like he's he's some kind of. I got an entourage. I'm thinking what is this? And all these people. Emotional. And you know they wouldn't know their emotions. From their spirit. Got to train them how to walk in the spirit. How to do the right things before God. And whatever happened to that. When your leader is trying to to outshine somebody and strutting into the church and letting people film them, seriously? And you looking at what they got on this Sunday? I mean, come on, folks. That is so far from the gospel. That's a form. That ain't even a good form. <laughs> that ain't a form of godly. That's just a world. And I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. Just turn over and pray some more, Barb. Pray some more in the Holy Ghost <laughs> till the burden lifts, you know. But this this is not going to work. Not as evil as this world is. There's a church. I you know I I moved about a year ago now, and I just you know driving through the area, you got to figure out where you are, what you're doing there. God, what do I do? And uh, there's a commercial area that I drive through that all the stores emptied out and I'm sure most of it happened during COVID, but these are like just small business type places. And, uh, I was, I've been speaking life to them and, and thanking God for prospering them, bringing the businesses back and, and all of that. It's so many of them. It's like a huge, uh, area of just empty, You know, these are mostly strip malls. There's no real mall there. But, you know, the malls went out of business years ago almost. Very few of them left. But um, I was just looking around. And and so there's a, a denominational church I drive by, LGBTQ affirming. So when I saw that, I just started cursing their works, shut it down. No, it's not gonna work. You don't take the house of God and turn it into a den of iniquity. You're not gonna do this. Not here. Not now. So I drove around. It's kind of hard to get around that that block because uh, um, there's a lot of uh, ravines and it's a, like it's a really heavily park area. Like on my street, even there's some empty lots, but there's a ravine back there, so you can't put a house on it. So it's it's very very close to uh, a park area. And so it was hard for me to drive around. I said, Lord, I ain't going to no ditch up in here. So, you know, I was making my little Jericho march around there praying in tongues. And I noticed since these people are fighting back now, you know, these trans men, they're putting them out of women's sports now. They were real passive at first, but you know, you get a devil an inch, you take a mile. He doesn't. these men don't care if they destroy the sports that women have worked a long time to build up and it's bad enough you know they don't pay women as much they don't you know they're doing it for the love of the sport just because they love what they do and here you got some man coming in there and just gonna take it away from them just because they're letting them do it they're deceived you know they don't they think that you know that they they're really Talking the truth. If somebody don't tell you, listen, you believe in a lie Now this ain't right. And sit them down. You got me? No, you don't come over here. You're not a woman. This is for real women. You don't compete over here. Amen. Should have told them a long time ago when this first stuff first started. But see, people are so afraid Somebody going to call them a hater. Well, you just going to have to call me what you want to call me. But you ain't right. And you ain't doing this. So now they're fighting back. Now that it's gotten almost out of hand, they've finally decided to fight back against this stuff. So I noticed that since this backlash has started, guess what? Took the sign down off the church. It's gone now. So if they want to affirm somebody, they're going to have to do it undercover. But you're not putting no sign out on God's property And inviting sinners to come in there and say it's okay. See, what we do as Christians, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you have renounced that life. You're not living that no more. You don't bring that sin into a holy life with God. You turn your back on sin. And you ask God to help you fight it. You don't try to get people to say it's okay and you want to go up there in a church. And see, people are afraid. You're afraid of being accused. Accuser of the brethren. Sits on your shoulder all the time. And ministers are afraid. They're afraid to say homosexuality is a sin and it's wrong and you don't do it after you're saved. If you're still doing it, we'll pray for you. They get lost now. You can't even pray for somebody and cast a homosexual devil out of them. See, while we've been just entertaining ourselves in church, the devil's been busy changing laws. So you can go to jail for telling somebody homosexual is a sin and we can pray for you. Got me? And some of these people are crafty enough, you've got organizations who support the LGBTQ agenda with lots of money. And they can keep you in court for many years. If you break one of their so-called laws. You got me? Tie your life up forever. Make an example out of you. Just because you want to live for God. And you're bold enough to say it. Amen? So don't quit preaching. This is the gospel, folks. The gospel is freedom from fear. Freedom from accusation. Let the devil accuse you. You want to call me a hater? You call me what you want to, but I love Jesus and I'm not selling out. I'm not selling him out. He died a horrible death that I should, I should die just like he did, but he did it for me, took it in my place. You think I care what you call me? Think I care if you come here or not? I don't. I'm going to live for God best way I can. And I suggest everybody else who names his name does it. Because you don't want to get on God's bad side. You don't want him to get exhausted with you and your nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? None of us do. We know God is a loving God, but he's a holy God too. And he does judge unrighteousness. Amen? And so we, we have to understand the one to fear is God himself, not, not the devil and his crazy people. Because they, they have nothing, they have no power over us unless we let them have power over us. And as long as you're serving God, He will protect you, He'll cover you, He'll bless you, and He'll help you. But we do not give into fear. We get rid of the fear. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us keeping us and helping us, helping us with everything that we need, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. And we honor you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.